Kofa Lover, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, or Susana Susuiki. Coming up. We need to come to the table and face the challenges of climate change. Fiji's Prime Minister has touched down in Aotearoa. Also, Bougainville independence may be on PNG's Parliament agenda. And later on. That's the beauty of the show. That's the beauty of this place. Caleb Fotheringham checks out the Pacifico Art Gallery in Christchurch that's attracting thousands of visitors. Fiji's Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka is in Aotearoa on his first official visit. The highly anticipated trip comes after his success at the poll six months ago, where he overthrew the former Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama, ending his 16-year reign. So far, Mr Rambuka has been welcomed by the Fijian community in Auckland. Rachel Nath was at the ceremony and has the story. On a chilly winter evening, Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka was warmly welcomed. He was presented with kava, linens, hand-printed materials and a roasted pig. A traditionally Taukei Seva Sevu followed by a Vedic chant echoed throughout the halls in according a prestigious welcoming. In response, the Prime Minister graciously extended his gratitude. You have put together this function tonight, and it's for all of us. For all the people of Fiji, all Ispanua and all races who call Fiji home. Bringing attention to issues at home, the Prime Minister spoke about recent efforts to mend race relations with Indo-Fijians. The reconciliation service was really good. For me, personally, it was life-changing. And to have uh, former Prime Minister Mahinda Chaudhry come and publicly acknowledge our Isoro was a great personal sacrifice on his part. And with the indigenous community through the reinstatement of the Great Council of Chiefs, which was removed by former Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama. Great things are going to happen in Bao this year, and they have happened. The Woodyval was installed, and the Great Council of Chiefs set in Bao. The venue was packed with over 500 attendees, many of whom who had left Fiji because of the coups or were exiled by Banimarama's government were also present. You have welcomed me, now I welcome you all. A message by the new administration was praised by Meadowlands Methodist Church leader, Reverend Alivereti Donduya. As people of Fiji are happy, in Fiji and overseas and abroad, That happiness was reciprocated by community members. It's an honor to see our Prime Minister back in New Zealand. Because we are mostly uh, most indigenous Fijians are here. And our friends, our Indian friends too from Fiji are also here. Like we can see the togetherness now. Well, life goes goes on, and so we'll see. Um, he's got lots of promise that he has made, so hopefully everything goes on well like that. So as he says, and so hopefully Fiji is going to grow. 
The president of the Fiji Girmid Foundation, Krish Naidu, shared Rambuka's sentiments about rebuilding relationships. It's an important occasion for us this week as we look forward to a prime minister building the much-needed aroha, doloma and love between Fiji and New Zealand, which has been lost for the last 16 years. Aside from the festivities, Mr. Rambuka also spoke about the Pacific's most urgent crisis. We in the, in the Pacific realize how important it is for us to have a united stand to convince the world that we need to come to the table and face the challenges of climate change. As Fiji vows to stand with its people and Aotearoa, to solidify this is expected to follow after talks with the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, in Wellington this week. The Papua New Guinea Parliament is meeting over the next two weeks and there are suggestions that the issue of Bougainville independence could be put before MPs. Bougainvillians voted resoundingly four years ago for independence in a non-binding referendum. Under the peace agreement of 2001, the final decision on the independence issue would be made by the PNG Parliament after consultation between both governments. Don Wiseman spoke with lawyer Professor Anthony Regan from the Department of Pacific Affairs at the Australian National University. Bougainville has laid out a roadmap to independence. It feels it's guaranteed independence as a result of the referendum back in 2019, which almost everyone uh, in the province supported. They laid out last year, the president laid out last year, that he expects everything to be in place by 2027 at the latest. So, halfway through 2023, where are we at? Okay, well, the timetable for 2027 was set during the first set of meetings intended to make a decision about the referendum outcome because, of course, the referendum, although 97.7% of the voting Bougainvillians voted for independence, the outcome was not binding. The constitution implementing the Bougainville Peace Agreement provided for a post-referendum decision-making process, and it was a several-step process. The first step is supposed to be consultation between the two governments. The second step is supposed to be a decision in the PNG Parliament. And a third possible step is a dispute resolution process, if either side is unhappy with anything in relation to the referendum, a dispute resolution process which can involve a reference to the Supreme Court on constitutional or legal issues if they're involved. The consultation step began quite late, 18 months after the referendum, partly delayed because of COVID and other things, partly by other other factors. So that began in May of 2021, and three meetings were held in 2021, but not a great deal was achieved. And at the end of 2021, Bougainville said the consultation process was over and that they should work on how the issues are now put to Parliament. In April of 2022, just over a year ago, the two sides signed an agreement called the Erakone Covenant, which was an agreement about essentially how to get things to the Parliament. And it provided for, amongst other things, the processes 
in the parliament and getting to the parliament to be spelt out and for the two sides to agree what exactly the role of the parliament would be. Does it have a final decision-making authority or must it accept what comes from the two governments in advice from the consultation process? So in a way, what wasn't agreed in the, in the consultation process, the Ericone Covenant said would be agreed by some subsequent agreements. The two sides have been trying to reach agreement since then, uh, but it hasn't gone very far. And in the last few months, there's been very little communication between them, not much action. However, the Papua New Guinea minister was in Bougainville some weeks ago and indicated that he wanted to see the results of the referendum tabled in the June sitting of Parliament. Now, that sitting begins today. A large group of Bougainville leaders apparently has gone to Bougainville to be there for that meeting, and nobody's too clear what will happen. There's been no indication yet, as I understand it, from the minister about how the matter will be dealt with in Parliament. So. I think we're in a sense, just at the moment, on the 6th of June, waiting to see how the 6th of June commencing parliamentary session deals with the issues. There's been very little discussion even in the newspapers or on the radio here in Papua New Guinea, uh, so we haven't got much to go on. Well, let's presume that it is tabled. What will that actually mean? It was always left rather vague, in the Ericone Covenant, it was agreed in that covenant the results would be tabled before the end of 2023. If you like, the minister, Mr Makiba, in his promise to the Bougainvillians that it would go to Parliament in June, uh, was speeding up the timetable beyond what it needed to be. Uh, not that there was anything wrong with that. It seems, however, to be understood that that would be an initial discussion the covenant doesn't spell this out, but there seems to be the understanding that that would have been an initial discussion because, of course, under the timetable for resolving things, finally, that was agreed in the consultation meetings in 2021, final resolution is to be achieved somewhere between 2025 and 2027. No earlier than 2025, no later than 2027. So it seems this would be an initial discussion in the parliament, and then it would be left to a later decision of the parliament. And it would still have to be agreed between the two sides what exactly the scope of the power of the parliament will be. So there's a lot of things still in the air. Over the years, there's been a lot of strident comments coming from MPs about not wanting to let Bougainville go. And then we went through a period or have gone through a period in the last several years where there have been a lot more conciliatory comments from various people, including Prime Minister Marape. How do you think it's shaping up right now, say, if it was to come to a vote fairly soon? Um, I don't think I'm the right person to ask about that. I'm not 100% sure at all. Of course, Papua New Guinea doesn't have anything like accurate opinion surveys for us to go on. The government has been saying for quite a while that it wants the issues much better understood before there is a vote. And I think part of the idea of having the issues tabled in Parliament in 2023 for initial debate and then a later decision on the substantive issue closer to 2025 to 2027 period 
part of the reason was to help members of parliament better understand the situation because it's generally agreed that most members of parliament have very little idea of what happened in the conflict or the peace process. The peace agreement was signed 2001, 22 years ago. And in addition, the government's been saying they want public awareness around the country. I think the idea there is that the members of parliament ought to be informed by what their people think. So it's been left in the air with a view to ensuring that between a tabling in 2023 of the result and a later final decision, that the population and the members of parliament are all better informed before they make a decision. A Pacifica art gallery in Christchurch has attracted nearly 8,000 Pacific people to walk through its doors since it opened in July last year. Fiber Gallery by Tsangata Moana Trust focuses on showcasing South Island Pacific artwork. Caleb Fotheringham has more. Pacific craftsman Amosotoa Alamali'i in Ototahi has his sculptures on display for the first time in Fiber Gallery's To Make exhibition. Mr. Tuolamali'i has been living in Christchurch for nearly 30 years and came to Aotearoa from Samoa when he was 17. At that age, he had only the basics of drawing and carving that he learnt from his older brother. But over the years, he would practice often using firewood. I started doing from the garage. Whatever wood I can find, I'll just make stuff. And I'll remember things that I've learned back in Samoa and the images that I'll remember and I'll try to put that in the carving piece of wood or, or sticks or, or whatever material that I can find. Executive Director of the Tangata Moana Trust, Nina Oberg-Humphreys, says the To Make exhibition was unique because it was only for Christchurch carvers. She says Fibre Gallery was a place for all levels of experience. We have had internationally renowned artists like Felipe Tohi, Stone Mucker, people that have had ginormous careers, and then people that have shown something for the first time, like Amosatua Lamali'i. On the opening week of the exhibition, a group of high school students visited the gallery. Ms Humphrey says it was the first time they had seen work about them and their heritage on display. And then these are all females, all Pacific girls, I guess wanting to see themselves, but also wanting to learn more about their heritage and their culture. And that's the beauty of the show. That's the beauty of this place. All other displays put on by the gallery have at least 50% of work from South Island artists. Ms Humphrey says there are few opportunities for South Island Pacific artists to showcase their work, and this was a place for them to do that. Pacific peoples and arts... It truly is the one place we are not in the deficit. You know, numbers, statistics, we've got poor health, you know, no money, low skills, all these things. But when it comes to the arts, we are incredibly empowered. For debut artist Mr Tua Lamali'i, he now hopes his work will get sold. It's good, it's good in a way that finally my work is out there, uh, show it, but at the same time, you know, you don't know the, what's tomorrow. You know, you just don't know. The Two Make exhibition will continue running until June 15 and displays the work of John Jeet, Raphael Stowers and Amoso Tuolamali'i. After more than 70 years, the Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, or SIBC, is adding a television station to its service. 
the broadcaster currently operates four radio stations, two national ones and two local stations. The CEO of the SIBC, Johnson Honimai, told Moira Tulepa Taylor he's pleased that things are now finally coming together for the TV station. SIBC has been operating radio for 70 years, 7-0. We celebrated the 70th anniversary last September, but we've never had television. But now we're just going into television. And what made you want to go into television? Well, in our act, SIBC act, basically it says that SIBC will broadcast on radio and television. Uh, And of course, our people have become developed and they have TV in front of them. But unfortunately, we're basically seeing other TV stations from outside of the country. And we're not seeing ourselves on our screens. So the whole aim of SIBC TV is to cover Solomon Islanders, what they want to say, their livelihood, whatever challenges they are facing, their own television, yeah? And they see that on their own screens. Everything will be basically covering Solomon Islands. Of course, in news, current affairs, we will be looking at taking overseas international programs as well, because we cannot isolate ourselves. But I think uh, SIBC TV will have a, a major role in areas like making sure that our culture continues. A lot of our young people don't speak their native languages now because they're brought up in town, whether the provincial centers or Honiara, they hardly go home for Christmas. So they are not exposed to what their culture is their parents' culture. So we hope that we'll, in our programming, we'll start small. Uh, SIBC TV will start small, and then we will move forward. Uh, but I think one thing that I must say here is that we want to thank the current government for its finally committing itself. Previous governments, for some reasons, they didn't see the importance of television. But uh, the government of Prime Minister Sogavare has committed itself to helping SIBC. Of course, government always faces challenges of revenue, but uh, the aim now is to get this TV, SIBC TV, underway and be able to cover Solomon Islands athletes' performances at the upcoming Pacific Games in Honiara in November. And I guess how much support, not only the government, have you had outside support for the Games? For the Games, yes, there's been a lot of support uh, for the government, for the Games. Uh, SIBC is also having uh, support, SIBC TV. Uh, As we start, we have support coming from overseas. We'd like to thank donors like Australia, of course, New Zealand, and of course, the BBC, United Kingdom. For their support in training. That's the same with ABC uh, in Australia, ABC International Development. That assistance is what we need. And, you know, it's going to take a while for us to settle and be going, but we want to at least start something. If we miss this specific games, we might not have an opportunity to start because uh, I think this is what has made the government. They want, they brought the games into Solomon Islands and they want our people to see how our athletes perform 
on our own television station. And uh, so um, equipment and gear, have you already started to set up to, to move and to, to start running the television station? Yes, uh, thanks to the government, of course, they've been able to uh, pay our annual subvention up front. The usual process is Parliament approves our subsidy, but it's paid in tranches. Me and my chairman were able to meet with the Prime Minister and his senior officials a couple of months ago, and they have agreed, and the Prime Minister had directed finance to actually pay that subvention in a lump sum. And that enabled us to sign a contract with our partner. There is, we're working with a partner from New Zealand to be able to sign a contract with them and we started paying them so that they were able to order the equipment. So the equipment are, have arrived and continuing to arrive. And then one of the producers, technical people from the company that we're working with, will be in Honiara in the early part of June. And will start rolling. It's all hands on deck as from that time. Australia through ABC is also coming in and then we hope that uh, BBC Media Action will come back in and assist us like they did from the first phase from March to, I mean September last year to March this year. So we want to thank a lot of the people who have come and uh, we will continue to a lot of, it's a new new area for us. A lot of our staff have been doing radio, uh, but uh, now everybody has to be multi-skilled. But I guess it's easier you starting from you being from radio and going, including TV as well. So we, we would like to thank those who have helped us up to now, including the government, and then of course our other uh, donors, and then of course um, our sister radio stations. We've signed a memorandum of understanding with ABC and, of course, our one talks in PNG, the National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea. And this is the only way that we're going to be able to set up a thing like a TV station. I've come to this meeting in Auckland and I've been able to meet a lot of people and basically I've been encouraged to move forward with this. There's a lot of help around that. We basically need to come out and tell people that, look, this is what I need, and they will be able to help. So thank you for everyone that's been uh, supporting SIBC TV. We hope that we'll be able to launch it in the next couple of months, at least before the Pacific Games. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. You can also download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. So from myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, so far, so far.